Hollywood actors emerge to virtue signal from their mansions, debate renews over statues, and Seattle's new Republic of Wokeness experiences some early growing pains. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. Today's show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. Don't let others track what you do. Keep yourself safe at expressvpn.com slash Ben. All righty. So it's been an interesting 24 hours, and it seems like the narrative is beginning to shift a little bit. And one of the reasons the narrative is beginning to shift is because everything that starts off as a legitimate cause eventually becomes a grift for a certain number of people. And that doesn't mean that the vast majority of people who are involved in protesting police brutality are not sincere. I think that they are sincere. And I think protesting police brutality is worthwhile, just like every other human being, because every good person, including police officers, opposes police brutality, which is why it is a statistical rarity to uncover a case in which a police officer does something as egregious as what happened with George Floyd. Again, to cite the statistics, which I know everybody doesn't like to cite because we have to instead make the miasmatic argument that police generally across the nation are engaged in brutality and violence. The, the number of unarmed black men shot by the police, according to the Washington Post last year, was nine. Okay, that is a statistical anomaly. That does not mean that, not, that every one of those cases was not a tragedy. I, I don't know the details of all those cases, but I'm sure that most of them were tragedies. It doesn't mean the case of Breonna Taylor isn't a travesty. It is an absolute travesty. The Breonna Taylor case, first of all, I'm not sure why Breonna Taylor isn't the, isn't the face of this movement as opposed to George Floyd, other than the Breonna Taylor thing wasn't caught on tape. And the Breonna Taylor thing, to me, and the George Floyd thing is egregious. It's an atrocity. The Breonna Taylor thing is, is even worse. I mean, the Breonna Taylor thing, she was sleeping in her own apartment, and the police served a no-knock warrant and then shot her in her bed. I mean, that, that one is like beyond. That one is beyond. And, and how those officers are still not under arrest is absolutely beyond me. I mean, it's crazy. But put that aside, what we have now reached is the point in the narrative where hangers-on have started to take control of the narrative, and you can sense it. You can sense that the hangers-on, the people who were not at the core of the protest, and were also not the radicals who were always using protests in order to push ridiculous agendas that most Americans didn't want, the people who, in other words, had been sitting aside, those people have jumped into the fray in order to virtue signal. And the best indicator that a cause is over is when the Hollywood actors jump in. Because now we've reached the point in Seinfeld where we are in the Ribbon Bullies episode. I don't know if you remember this episode of Seinfeld. It's a great episode of Seinfeld where Kramer is walking along the street and there's an AIDS march and somebody gives him an AIDS ribbon and he doesn't want to wear the AIDS ribbon. And so everybody starts yelling at him and then they start basically beating him up because he won't wear the AIDS ribbon. That is the point that we have reached in the, in the Black Lives Matters movement. Because right now, the question isn't whether you care about black lives. You do. I mean, Kramer, I assume, cared about AIDS. The, the question is whether you are willing to virtue signal and how hard you're willing to virtue signal. And then once you virtue signal, what else can we get out of you? Okay, and so Hollywood has decided to jump in full scale and make mockeries of themselves. So I'm old enough to remember when two weeks ago, Madonna had her son dancing in the kitchen to Michael Jackson. And we were all mocking this, like, oh, racism solved, guys, racism solved. But now all, all of Hollywood is engaged in the Madonna son dancing to Michael Jackson in the kitchen. That, that's what we now have. So yesterday, a bunch of very woke, and, and very self-righteous Hollywood celebrities, including people like Aaron Paul and Kristen Bell and Sarah Paulson, did a video for itakeresponsibility.org, in which they announced that they were taking responsibility for all the world's sins. They're like the Jesus of this moment. They're going to take responsibility of all the world's sins on their shoulder, and, and then they will rectify the imbalances in the universe by doing so. Now, I will say that for a bunch of actors, they don't do very good performances, except for Aaron Paul, who really dials this up to 11. Like he goes, At the end of this video, he goes full Jesse Pinkman. By the end of this video, Aaron Paul 
is basically screaming at the camera about police brutality and how, to, how the police are murdering people. And Julianna Moore suggests that, that black people are being slaughtered in the streets by police. I mean, it really is some very solid stuff from Hollywood. But you can tell that for a lot of these stars, the thing has become a grift simply because they're doing what they are doing. And I, I don't doubt the sincerity of their feeling about black people dying because every decent person feels that. I do doubt the sincerity of putting out a video where they take responsibility for all the world's sins and suggest that they will never, ever, ever tell a bad joke ever again. Oh, they won't tell a bad joke ever again. Or, oh, they won't stand by and watch police brutality happen. Were they members of the PD? Were they standing by? Were they like there at the George Floyd killing? Because I don't remember Sarah Paulson there. I feel like that would have been a big news story if Sarah Paulson had been there and just been standing by doing nothing. In any case, here was the video from these Hollywood stars pledging that they take responsibility. Now, be, be fair about this. When you're a Hollywood star and you say, I, I take responsibility, what you're actually saying is, I do not take responsibility for any of this stuff. What you're actually saying is, everybody else is the bad guy. I'm the good guy. And the way you can tell I'm the good guy is because of my performative atonement. My performative atonement means I'm not like those other white people. And this, this video is like all white people. The, the entire video is a bunch of white people saying, I take responsibility, which really means I don't take responsibility. I'm one of the good ones, guys. I'm a good one. Right? I'm the kind of person who would plywood up my window and then spray paint Black Lives Matter on it. Right? That's the kind of person these actors are. Don't, please don't break into my mansion because the fact is that I am with you. I am with you all the way up until the point when it actually comes to sacrificing my part for a person of color. Then I'm not so into it. But like right now in front of this camera, I'm the reason this is important, guys, is because you can see, again, what began as a, as a sincere outpouring of upset over George Floyd and police brutality has become for so many people an opportunity to virtue signal on behalf of their own sort of political cadre and their insidery Hollywood cronies. Here was this video yesterday. It's astonishingly bad. I take responsibility. I take responsibility. I take responsibility. I take responsibility for every unchecked moment, for every time it was easier to ignore than to call it out for what it was. Every not so funny joke, every unfair stereotype, every blatant injustice, no matter how big or small, every time I remained silent, every time I explained away police brutality. Okay, stop it for a second. I mean, every time you explain, who explained away police brutality? Who among these actors was like, oh man, that Rodney King thing, that was great. Like who, who, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? Also, I'm really looking forward to the, to the professional cut of all the various jokes that these various actors have told in the course of their careers that, that apparently they don't like anymore. I recognize that one of the people who's being most sincere here is Justin Theroux. Justin Theroux wrote Tropic Thunder, in which Robert Downey Jr. plays a black man and tells nothing but racist stereotypical jokes for two hours. Okay, so I'm going to go with, you guys didn't care about any of this stuff until you decided that it was worthwhile virtue signaling about it. The, the sincerity of, I'm in here without makeup and I haven't shaved either. That means that I am totally sincere, guys. Now, I'm not going to stop this video until we get to Aaron Paul. My, my uh, colleague, Matt Walsh, he had a, a great line about this yesterday. He, he called it the I take responsibility challenge. How long can you get through this video before you have to turn it off? But we have to, uh, we have to continue this video until we at least get to Aaron Paul's Oscar-worthy performance as very concerned white person. Every time I explained away police brutality or turned a blind eye. I take responsibility. Black people are being slaughtered in the streets, killed in their own homes. These are our brothers and sisters, our friends. Pause it there for a second. I'm sorry. Th th that one, actually, I have to stop just to rebut it. Okay, the notion that black people are being slaughtered in their own homes by the cops is just nonsense. It's just nonsense. It is not true. Okay, the fact is that the police shot 
Last year, according to the Washington Post, 1,004 people, about 250 of them were black. Nearly all of them were armed and resisting the police. Black people are not being slaughtered en masse by white people in their beds. And Dave Chappelle put out a comedy special. And Dave Chappelle's a comedian. He can obviously say what he wants. He's a comedian, right? He can make whatever, whatever jokes he wants. I'm not in favor of censorship of comedians or chiding them for the sorts of language they use or something like that. That's comedy. But Dave Chappelle makes a serious point in which he suggests that anyone who survives this nightmare is a hero. And I just think to myself, okay, there are 42 million black Americans. 41,992,500 of them were not shot last year. And of the remaining 7,500 who were shot, the vast majority were killed by other black people in the black community because nearly all murder in the United States is intraracial, not interracial. And only 250 were shot by the cops at all, and only nine were shot unarmed. So that does not sound like everyday black people are under existential threat in the United States because they clearly are not. I mean, Dave Chappelle's a very, very wealthy person. LeBron James, very, very wealthy person. He's done very, very well for himself. Good for them. This is America. Everybody should have the opportunity to do really well for themselves, which is why we all stand against police brutality. But this notion that black people are being slaughtered en masse is so ahistorical. And by the way, degrading to history, to history's actual evils. I mean, you want to talk about the mistreatment of black people? You don't have to go all that far back in American history to talk about mass mistreatment of black people. So to compare today's black experience to the black experience of 1960 with legalized segregation and Jim Crow and miscegenation laws, or to compare it to slavery, is utterly asinine. And to take that crap from Julianne Moore, who's whiter than this piece of paper right here, is beyond me. Anyway, here is here, we finally get to Aaron Paul, Oscar winner Aaron Paul, in his, in his finest performance. And killer cops must be prosecuted. They are murderers. We can turn the tide. It is time to take responsibility. He, Call he, out hate. Step up and take action. I realize why they cast Aaron Paul as Jesse Pinkman, because he actually is Jesse Pinkman. He's just Jesse Pinkman. Like, there, there is no other Aaron Paul. It's not, it's not like he was putting it on when he was doing... He really dials that spinal tap 11 there for Aaron Paul. Okay, so the point of this is not that this is important. The point is that it is frivolously unimportant. And we have reached the point of frivolous unimportance in this debate. We have. Remember, this thing started off as, how do we enact police reform so as to quash police brutality? How do we do that? Has anybody talked about any of that, like, in the last week? In the last week and a half? Like, Congress was pushing a bill. Does anyone know what was in that bill? Does anyone care? The answer, of course, is no. The media are covered with other narratives, with other narratives. And the problem for the press and the problem for the left is that once you broaden out the narrative from Americans need to care about kill black people, which we all do, to we're going to tear down statues of George Washington and Thomas Jefferson and set up autonomous zones in Seattle, Americans are like, you know what, I'm out. Once you move from we all ought to care about black people being victimized by police brutality to every white person is guilty of systemic racism in this country and you must kneel and you must atone and you must put out a corporate statement or we're going to boycott you, Americans are like, you know what, done. We're, not, we're out, we're out because you have now moved beyond the point of the rational. We are not going to wear the ribbon just because you say that we're supposed to wear the ribbon. We may agree with the cause, but we are not going to be forced into Hollywood hostage videos, right? This is not something that we are into. And you can see the narrative turning because the left always goes too far. They can't just say, here's a wrong. How do we work to correct it? Because that might be too unifying. They refuse to be specific. Instead, you're supposed to swallow this entire narrative hook, line, and sinker. And I don't think that most Americans are willing to swallow the narrative that black people are systemically put upon by police in the United States and at threat of violence every single day, or that all white people in the United States are responsible for the subjugation of black people, which is why there is inequality between groups. I don't think most Americans believe that because it isn't true. It isn't factually true. And we're going to get to more of this in just one second. First, let us talk about the best Father's Day gift you can give. I'm talking about steak. 
Omaha steaks. So Omaha actually sent me some kosher steaks. I know I'm special. They are incredible. They are delicious. And let me tell you, if I didn't keep kosher, I would be all over Omaha steaks like all the time because Omaha steaks, this is this is great stuff. They, they age that meat so that it is tender and it is juicy. It is hand-carved, aged at least 21 days for tenderness and flavor. Here's what you get when you go to omahasteaks.com and enter the code Shapiro into the search bar. You save 55% on the gift dad will love. For $79.99, here's what you get. Four naturally lean top sirloin steaks, hand-carved, aged at least 21 days for tenderness and flavor. Four premium boneless chicken breasts. Four gourmet jumbo franks and kielbasa sausages. A package of savory all-beef meatballs. Four perfectly brown potatoes au gratin. Four made-from-scratch caramel apple tartlets and an Omaha Steaks signature seasoning packet. Dad gets all of that, plus the free pound of steak-cut bacon. That's an amazing gift shipped directly to Dad's door in time for Father's Day for $79.99. It's not going to get better than that. Makes me wish I didn't keep kosher sometimes. This Father's Day, send Dad the gift he really wants. Go to omahasteaks.com, type Shapiro in the search bar, save 55%. That's a great deal. When you send the summer sizzle pack for $79.99 and get free steak-cut bacon with your order, don't wait. Head on over to omahasteaks.com, type Shapiro in the search bar to order that summer sizzle pack for Father's Day today. Again, omahasteaks.com, type Shapiro in the search bar. Go check them out right now. Okay, so as I say, the narrative has now been broadened out. It's been broadened out. And so now we're going to battle over Confederate statues. We're going to battle over Confederate flags. Now, in the past, this has happened before too. And I think that there's a good argument to be made as to whether cities ought to leave up Confederate statues. The argument against is every time you're a black person, you walk by a Confederate statue, you go, oh yeah, that person wanted to enslave grandma. Like, that's an evil person. Why is there a statue of an evil person that taxpayers are paying to upkeep? I think that's a fair argument. I do. Okay, then there's the, the counter argument. The counter argument is made by Condoleezza Rice. And I kind of agree with this one more. And that is it's important to leave up monuments of bad people so that specifically we can point to our kids and say, guys, you need to know American history. In American history, there are a group of people who wanted to enslave your great-grandmother. Right? As a Jew, I want Auschwitz to stand. I want monuments to human cruelty to stand. I think it's very important that monuments to human cruelty stand specifically because it reminds us that human beings are capable of such cruelty. It reminds us of the darkness inherent in the human heart. So I get the count, the arguments and I get the counter arguments. But the notion that this is linked to quote unquote ongoing police brutality and systemic racism is a different question. Because now what you're basically suggesting is that the very presence of these statues is the rationale for inequality between black and white outcomes in the United States. And when you broaden this out to, okay, if you agree with the second argument, or if you think that, you know, history is worth preserving just because history is history, then that must be because you are inherently racist. This happened after the mass shooting at the, that horrible mass shooting in Charleston at the Black Historic Church. There's this attempt to take down Confederate flags. There's an attempt to take down statues. My point was not that these are not worthy causes. They may in fact be worthy causes. I'm not a fan of the Confederate flag, right? I think that the Confederate flag stood for the, a, a rebellion against the United States on behalf of slavery. So I'm not a fan of the Confederate flag. I'm also not a fan of suggesting that everybody who has a Confederate flag on the back of their truck is somehow in favor of slavery or the Confederacy because the flag was not removed for 160 years. And for a lot of people, it morphed in meaning. Like to understand that the Confederate flag or the Confederate statues mean something different to different groups of people, you do have to actually talk to those groups of people. And I think that both meanings are perfectly understandable and both meanings are perfectly legitimate. Meaning that if you're, again, if you're a black person, you see the Confederate flag, you say that is a flag that was flown on behalf of a would-be country to enslave my ancestors and that would want me enslaved today. 100% right. 100% right. And then you're a Southern white guy and your grandfather had that flag when he was fighting at the Battle of the Bulge, which there were tanks that flew the Confederate flag at the Battle of the Bulge because it stood for regional pride. And it had morphed beyond its original meaning. So to suggest 
tacitly that everybody who's flying the Confederate flag is responsible for the killing of George Floyd or something, or that America writ large is the Confederate flag and not the American flag, or that the American flag is like the Confederate flag, which is why people are kneeling for the American flag. All of that is wrong. And once you broaden out these arguments, once you take this from the realm of what can we do policy-wise in order to rectify problems to let's do a full-scale rethinking and revision of American history. Let's do a full-scale rethink of the heart of the American people. Let's indict people who have nothing to do with the death of George Floyd because they have a symbol on their car. Then Americans are going to start to buck. And by the way, there's no limiting principle here because it turns out that for a lot of folks on the left, this does not stop with even statues I don't like, like Confederate statues or like the Confederate flag. It doesn't stop with that for, for the people on the hard left. It stops with George Washington. It stops with Thomas Jefferson. It stops with Christopher Columbus. It stops with anybody who represents Western civilization or American civilization, because it turns out history is filled with flawed people. Right? We build monuments to people who do incredible things. That's typically what you do. Now, a lot of monuments should be taken down because people didn't do incredible things. Get it. All right, fine, fair. You vote to do it. You don't go out and protest and drag them down, okay? because this is still a democratic country. It's still a democratic republic. But I get it. But to take down every monument to a person who lived in a historical time that you did not live in, who did a bad thing, and then to use that as an excuse to take down the statue, that's beyond. Now you're basically saying that all of history is evil except for this present moment. And if you don't jump on our side of this political issue in this present moment, you stand with the bad thing this person did. So if you like George Washington, what you actually are celebrating is the fact that he held slaves, not the fact that he was the father of the country. That if you like Thomas Jefferson, you're not celebrating the Declaration of Independence or the Louisiana Purchase. You're celebrating what he did to Sally Hemings. You're celebrating what he did to Sally Hemings. And that is a lie. It's a lie. Most Americans don't celebrate that sort of stuff. And when I say most, I mean virtually all. So we're going to get to the attack on history because there is some irony to this. Like Nancy Pelosi wants to take down a bunch of statues at the Capitol. Her dad actually put up a statue to a, to a Confederate, to uh, I believe Stonewall Jackson in 1948 in Baltimore. She, she has refused calls to, uh, to, to talk about that. We'll get to more of this in just one second. First, Let's talk about the fact that two out of three dudes will experience some form of male pattern baldness by the time they're 35. The best way to prevent hair loss, do something about it while you still have hair left. You used to have to go to the doctor's office for your hair loss prescription. Well, now, thanks to Keeps, you can visit a doctor online and get hair loss medication delivered directly to your home. They make it easy. They deliver your medication every three months, so you can say goodbye to pharmacy checkout lines and awkward doctor's visits. Prevention is key, because once the hair is gone, it's basically gone. I mean, the chances of you regrowing it, fairly low. So go get it taken care of right now. You want to keep your hair and you got to do it early, right? Because once it starts going, it's basically a one-way ticket to to Mr. Cleanland. Find out why Keeps has more five-star reviews than any of its competitors and nearly 100,000 men trust Keeps for their hair loss prevention medication. Keeps treatments start at just 10 bucks a month. Plus for a limited time, you can get your first month for free. I've been using Keeps myself because male pattern baldness does run in my family. You should use it too. If you're ready to take action and prevent hair loss, go to keeps.com slash Ben to receive your first month of treatment for free. That is K-E-E-P-S dot com slash Ben. Keeps dot com slash Ben. Go check them out right now. And again, you get your first month of treatment for free when you use keeps.com slash Ben. Okay, so there's all of this argument now over the over these historical statues. And again, it is not restricted to Confederate statues. The, the Winston Churchill statue in London has now been boarded up. There's a picture today of it in, in an actual metal case like an opaque metal case. You can't see it anymore. It's been boarded up. Statues of Christopher Columbus are being torn down. Now, you don't have to think that Christopher Columbus was a wonderful guy to acknowledge that him crossing several thousand miles of ocean without any clue where he was going 
and bringing the possibility of Western civilization to the Western hemisphere was a good thing overall for the world, even if it was a very bad thing for the natives he encountered. And that doesn't mean that Christopher Columbus is a wonderful guy or that you today would have done the same things that Christopher Columbus did. But to rip him out of history and then say all the bad things he did in history are unique to Christopher Columbus, which is obviously untrue. And then to suggest that the real reason you're taking him down is because all of history is filled with bad people. That's not what people are doing. Right? What they're actually suggesting when they tear down the Christopher Columbus statue is the same thing Howard Zinn did at the beginning of his People's History of the United States, suggesting that the, the vicious evil of Christopher Columbus was not the treatment of the natives per se. It was the fact that he brought capitalism to the Western, to the Western Hemisphere. That's really what Howard Zinn says. Right? Because Christopher Columbus was a bad, evil Western civilization guy, he should be torn down. And that if Western civilization had never come to the Western Hemisphere, it would have been better for the world generally, which is uh, an extraordinarily charitable read of both history as well as, the, as well as all circumstances on the North and South American continents prior to the arrival of Western civilization, the, the sort of ideal of a Rousseauian, of a Rousseauian paradise before Westerners ever hit is, is just not factually true. Steven Pinker has a whole section in his book about the fact that you know, all societies experience violence, all societies experience tribalism, all societies that we know of experience heavy levels of warfare and conquering. Columbus was not unique in that. What made Western civilization unique is that Western civilization eventually turned against that. That's what makes Western civilization unique. And so Nancy Pelosi is joined in this. She says she wants to take down statues at the Capitol. She wants to take down Confederate statues at the Capitol. Now, the goal of this is really to suggest that anybody who doesn't want to take down Confederate statues stands with the Confederacy. No, maybe you just like American history and you think it's very, very important to discuss the fact that many of the people who founded the Confederacy actually were high-ranking members. I mean, really high-ranking members of the American government until they founded the Confederacy. And so you have to recognize the evil that is present in every human heart and in American history. Like you want to create a, a, what's amazing right now is that when it comes to American history, the left has basically suggested not a well-rounded American history, a well-rounded version of American history. Basically, they've suggested the only book you need to read about American history is Howard Zinn. Katie Turr from MSNBC tweeted this yesterday. She tweeted, you should just go read Howard Zinn, which is a stupid ideas, a stupid person's idea of a smart history book. It's a people's history of, of the United States. What you should do is you should read A People's History of the United States, and you should also read A Traditional American History. And you should recognize that A People's History is propagandistic nonsense in large sense. I mean, he literally says that the fascism that America defeated in World War II in his book was, in, was, was then taken into the bones of the United States. This is something that Howard Zinn says in his book. I mean, Howard Zinn is a garbage historian. There's a great book called Debunking Howard Zinn that is well worth the read. You should go check that out. Okay, but the left loves this thing. So this is about rethinking American history. And this is why I say the narrative is beginning to turn. The left always cannot stop at the point. They have to move into their broader point. And their broader point is something people generally do not agree with. Even, even Andrew Cuomo, the governor of New York, is saying like, no, this is not a thing. We're not taking down Christopher Columbus statues. Here, here's Andrew Cuomo. Man's a Democrat, but he still understands that Christopher Columbus is a meaningful figure in the history of, of America and in the history of Western civilization. Here is, here is Andrew Cuomo. The Christopher Columbus uh, statue represents, uh, in, in some ways, the Italian-American legacy in this country uh, and the Italian-American contribution in this country. I understand the feelings about Christopher Columbus uh, and uh, some of his acts, which uh, nobody would support. But the statue was, has come to represent and signify uh, appreciation for the Italian-American contribution to New York. Uh, so on that, for that reason, I support it. Okay, so 
he is right, but he's also, you know, missing the point, which is that the real reason it's good that Christopher Columbus came to the Western Hemisphere is because it is good that Western civilization came to the Western Hemisphere, even if Christopher Columbus did very, very bad things. Right? You can acknowledge both of those things at once. That's called an actual well-rounded version of history. Okay, but the left doesn't want that well-rounded version of history. Instead, they want you to buy into the idea that the reason that there is inequality between black and white in the United States is because of the evil inherent in Christopher Columbus, the evil inherent in George Washington, the evil inherent in Thomas Jefferson. And this is why Tom Cotton you know, got up yesterday, the senator from Arkansas in the Senate, and he said, you, you guys are talking about tearing down the Washington Monument. What, 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 what are you even talking about now? Now you're talking about the roots of the country being systemically evil. We're not going to do that. That's not a thing. Here's Senator Cotton. Where does this cancel culture take us? What is the logical conclusion? What is the end of the cancel culture? I will tell you what it is. It is right here in this city, Washington, the District of Columbia. That's where it will end if we don't put an end to the madness now. Just up the mall is the Washington Monument. Are we going to tear the Washington Monument down? Are we going to re rename it the obelisk of wokeness? And so, <laughs> first of all, great name for garage man, obelisk of wokeness. But, but with that said, he's not wrong. And this is why this, this whole, the whole movement, which started off as a unity movement, is starting to lose steam because the minute that you diversify the message into things like America is, was, always will be historically marred by its own DNA. Um, all white people are racist inherently in their bones and must atone. Like this sort of stuff does not have a shelf life. It doesn't. It has, it has a radioactive half-life for most human beings. And, and that's what you're starting to see happening right now because it turns out that when you are stumping for something universally good, people generally are on your side. When you broaden that out to indict people for things they didn't do, not so much. We're gonna get to more of this in just one second first. Let us talk about the fact that now is a terrible time to go to the post office. I mean, why would you go to the post office generally anyway when you could stay at home and just use stamps.com? You're sending a lot of packages these days, but you don't want to wait in line at the post office. Right now, head on over to stamps.com. You can print postage on demand, skip the lines and the crowds at the post office. Never a better time to skip lines and crowds than right now. Plus, you can actually save some money with discounts you can't even get at the post office. And as if that wasn't enough, stamps.com is also offering UPS services with discounts up to 62%. No UPS residential surcharges. Here at The Daily Wire, we have been using Stamps.com to save time and money since 2017, which is why we have a successful business. Stamps.com brings all the services of the Postal Service directly to your computer. You can use your computer and print official U.S. postage 24-7 for any letter, any package, any class of mail, anywhere you want to send it. And once your mail is ready, you just leave it for the mail carrier and schedule a free package pickup, drop it in the mailbox, and you're done. And like I said, with Stamps.com, huge discounts, five cents off every first-class stamp, up to 62% off shipping rates. Right now, my listeners get a special offer. It includes a four-week trial plus free postage and digital scale, no long-term commitment. Head on over to stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, type in Shapiro. That's stamps.com, enter Shapiro. Again, stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and enter Shapiro. Okay, so as I say, the, the worse this gets, the more ribbon signaling this becomes, the more you're bullied into wearing the ribbon, the less people are going to be into it. And, and this has taken some pretty radical ramifications. So, for example, like what are, what, what are Americans expected to buy into is really the question. What are Americans expected to buy into? Because we were all on board with police brutality is bad. Here are some reforms we might make. We were all pretty much into that. But then it turned out that that wasn't the agenda. It turns out the agenda was much broader and deeper than that. And that's a problem. And so people like David Shore, good example. According to Jonathan Chait, writing at New York Magazine, David Shore is a 28-year-old political data analyst and social Democrat who worked for President Obama's re-election campaign. On May 28th, Shore tweeted out a short summary of a paper by Princeton professor Omar Wasow. 
The research compiled by Wasow analyzed public opinion in the 1960s and found that violent and nonviolent protest tactics had contradictory effects. Shore's synopsis was straightforward. Quote, post-MLK assassination race riots reduced Democratic vote share in surrounding cities by 2%, which was enough to tip the 1968 election to Nixon. Nonviolent protests increase Democratic vote mainly by encouraging warm elite discourse and media coverage. So he's making a simple point. Nonviolent protest, good. Violent protest, bad. He was fired. He was fired. Ari Trujillo Wessler, the founder of Open Field, a Democratic canvassing app, replied, this take is tone deaf, removes responsibility for depressed turnout from the 68 party and reeks of anti-blackness. David Shore said the mechanism for the paper isn't turnout. It's violence driving news coverage that makes people vote Republican. The author does a great job explaining his research here. Employees and clients on Civis Analytics complained that Shore's tweet threatened their safety. The next day, Shore apologized for even tweeting out this point. Civis Analytics undertook a review of the episode, and then Shore was fired. And then Shore was fired. So in other words, if you say that nonviolent protests are better than violent protests, they will fire you now. It doesn't matter that you were a Democratic Socialist who backed Barack Obama. They will fire you for that. Or let's say, remember, I'm old enough to remember like a week ago when the message from Democrats is that most cops were good, there were just some bad cops. And that that didn't mean there wasn't a systemic problem, but most cops were good. I'm old enough to remember when Barack Obama said that. Barack Obama said in his speech that cops were generally doing a good job, that cops were generally good people, trying their best. Well, now we've reached the point where institutions are being bullied into not allowing the cops to pee and poo on their premises. Okay, Berkeley School of Music put out a statement that they were deeply sorry for allowing Boston police officers to use the school's restrooms following the downtown protest in the May, on May 31st in the wake of the killing of George Floyd. The school says it will not happen again. Berkeley President Roger Brown, Chief Financial Officer Mac Heisey, and Public Safety Chief David Ransom said the college had heard expressions of anger and betrayal from their community after they allowed Boston police officers access to poop to the back bay's school's restrooms. Boston police, of course, have jurisdictions over roads and other public spaces around our campus, but not inside our buildings, Berkeley officials said. The decision to allow them into our facilities was ours. This was not a formal decision by the institution, but an informal one made on the spot. We understand that many of our members of our community feel betrayed. We are deeply sorry for the impact this had on our community and for perpetuating feelings of oppression, silencing, and marginalization. Wear the ribbon. Wear the ribbon or pay the price. And that ribbon means you are a racist. The ribbon doesn't mean you're anti-racism. It means acknowledging that you are a racist, acknowledging that everything you do is racist, Acknowledging that if you allow a cop to poop in your bathroom, that you are in favor of police brutality, acknowledge or pay the price. And then you wonder why steam seems to be running out just a little bit here. Because it turns out that when you go too far, people are not super into it. Now, we're going to bring you some more examples of things going too far. And then you'll see that the Democrats are beginning to change the narrative. So the narrative for the last couple of weeks was America is deeply and systemically racist. America is evil. America is filled with police brutality. And on the first message, there are some fairly... Good response. I mean, Americans were like, okay, we're also against police brutality. And also, we would like to see black people treated better in the United States because, yeah, that's great. Black people should be treated better in the United States. And everybody was on board. And the Democrats basically got what they wanted, which was to polarize the debate around President Trump and to suggest that all Republicans are racist. They got what they wanted politically, and now they're out. Democrats have moved on. Notice what the media are covering today. The media today are not covering these protests anymore. The media have moved back to COVID-19. But then the narrative has turned. And now it's Trump's bad because he's going to kill you with COVID-19 again, right? That's that, so it was Trump is bad because he's killing you with COVID-19. Then it was, it's so important to fight racism that you should go out in the streets and infect each other en masse. That's how important it is. And now we're back to Trump is killing you with COVID-19. 
Why? Because the narrative ran out of steam for the Democrats because they changed the narrative. If they just stuck with the unifying narrative, it wouldn't have been a Democratic narrative. See, Democrats had to do two things. One, find a popular narrative, which they did. Two, try to harness that narrative in pursuit of their own political goals, which they sort of did. And then the narrative ran away from them. And now they're moving back to COVID-19. We're going to explain why in just one second. First, let us talk about the, uh, the fact that, you know, these days, like every day, you might be worried about your safety. You might be worried about what's going on outside your front door. You may be worried about somebody sneezing on a package and leaving it in your mailbox. Right? There are lots of reasons to worry about what goes on on your property. For me, the biggest thing is I got to keep track of my kids. My kids have, are running wild in the middle of, of this lockdown. We're home more than usual these days. That does not mean that you don't need to know what's going on on your property. It probably means you need to know what's going on more often than ever. This is why you need Ring. Ring gives you protection at every corner. Video doorbells let you answer the door and check in on your home anytime. Keep an eye on your doorstep. Speak to delivery people when you can't come to the door. With outdoor security cameras, you can check in on every part of your house and never miss a moment. Smart lighting brightens up blind spots. Make sure you always come home to a brightly lit house. Full home security systems give you everything you need to protect your family, pets, and property. I've been using Ring for years at my property. It makes me feel safer. It makes my wife feel safer. Get a special offer on the Ring Welcome Kit when you go to ring.com slash Ben. That welcome kit includes the Ring Video Doorbell 3 and the Chime Pro. That's all you need to start building custom security for your home today. Go check them out right now at ring.com slash Ben. Again, that's ring.com slash Ben. You get that welcome kit, including the Ring Video Doorbell 3 and the Chime Pro. You get a special offer on that when you go to ring.com slash Ben. Okay, we're going to get into how the narrative got away from the Democrats and how they basically are taking their ball and going home now. That's essentially what's happening. You can see it with, with the Democrats. They're shifting the narrative from Trump is bad because he's racist to Trump is bad because he's racist because COVID-19, right? That's, that's, the, that's the new tactic. And that's because once you have moved from police brutality is bad to all cops are bad and all white people are bad. And also, how about we set up an autonomous zone in Seattle? Most Americans are like, you know what? I'm out, I'm out. And you can see it happening in real time. Most Americans are only going to be bullied into the woke ribbon wearing for as long as they sort of agree with the underlying message. But when the underlying message changes, so does American willingness to go along with it. We'll get to that in a second. First, it is that glorious time of the week when I give a shout out to a Daily Wire member. Today, it is Darth Raider on Twitter who understands that timing is everything. In this picture, two little boys are enjoying a rainy day in a large puddle with the help of the world's most elite beverage vessels. The caption reads, no sooner did we receive our two leftist tears tumblers in the mail than leftist tears started pouring from the sky. I don't know what we would have done without them. Hashtag leftist tears tumbler. Those are some cute kids right there. My goodness. Cuties. 2020 has been an unbelievably insane year. You should become a member just like Darth Raider did. Go check out everything that we've got over at dailywire.com. Right now, we have a Reader's Pass offer for you. If you're a political junkie set on getting actual information, get a Reader's Pass today from dailywire.com. You get access to exclusive op-eds from us, your podcast hosts, our guest writers, as well as in-depth analysis from Daily Wire reporters on top of our breaking news. The membership tier is already a bargain at three bucks a month. If you join today, you get your first month for 99 cents, which is a great deal. You also get access to our mobile app. You receive push notifications for breaking news and special content, as well as joining the community of Daily Wire members actively commenting and discussing our content with each other. So you can be part of our, of our crowd, which is fun. That mobile ad-free access to all of the Daily Wire news, exclusive op-eds, all our podcasts on the mobile app, available for the low, low price of $1. Best of all, your dollars are getting you the news you need without the leftist spin. So head on over to dailywire.com slash subscribe and join today. Also, I think that the... Last book I wrote, Right Side of History, is a very important book. I think that the most important book I've written for the time we are in is How to Destroy America in Three Easy Steps. It's already an Amazon bestseller six weeks out from publication. You should go pre-order it now. It is describing exactly what is going on in the country and explaining how to rebut it. What we are watching in real time is the destruction of the history of the country, the destruction of the philosophy of the country, the destruction of our key fundamental rights, 
We are watching all that happen. I explain why in the book and how to stop that, how to rebut it, why the arguments are bad in favor of it. Go check out my book, How to Destroy America in Three Easy Steps. I think it's deeply important and I think you'll enjoy it as well. Go pre-order that right now. We have it over at dailywire.com slash Ben. Uh, you can also check it out over at Amazon or wherever else books are pre-sold. You're listening to the largest, fastest growing conservative podcast and radio show in the United States. So people, this movement has gone too far because again, the movement has had ramifications that people are expected to swallow that they originally were not up for. Everybody was up for stop the police brutality. Everybody was up for, let's take a look at the statistics and try to figure out how we can mitigate problems in the United States. Everybody was up for that. You know what people were not up for? Autonomous zones in the middle of Seattle. So the media have been trying to cram this narrative down our throats. I mean, the media have really been trying to suggest that all that looting and rioting, that was a figment of your imagination. Poof, it no longer existed. This was, this was the narrative, seriously, for, from the media for a week. Why is Fox News still covering bad things happening in the United States? Everything is great. Everything is great. You remember that time they were breaking into the Foot Locker down the street? That was, that was not a thing. It didn't happen. Poof, it was gone. Figment of your imagination. You don't need the cops. In the, in the words of the, the first lady of New York City, the, the wife of Bill de Blasio, she said that New York City would be a nirvana without the police. And so the media duly tried to make America into a nirvana without the police. There's only one problem. It is not a nirvana. It is a hellscape. So over in Seattle, they've set up Chaz. Chaz, the worst name for a republic ever. The Republic of Chaz. The state of Chaz, man. Which sounds like a smooth, a smooth jazz show on 92.7, The Wave, at 2 a.m. Welcome to the Republic of Chaz. We're going to play some Winston Marsalis now on the Republic of Chaz. In any case... The Republic of Chaz is not nearly that mellow or that cool. The Republic of Chaz is actually a terrible, terrible place. The Seattle police chief, who happens to be a person of color, said leaving was not our decision. Like, we were, we were forced to abandon this part of the city by the mayor, Jenny Durkin. And uh, we were not into it because actually it has some pretty bad ramifications. She says, not our choice. We weren't up for it. You should know leaving the precinct was not my decision. You fought for days to protect it. I ask you to stand on that line day in and day out, to be pelted with projectiles, to be screamed at, threatened, and in some cases hurt. Then to have a change of course nearly two weeks in, it seems like an insult to you and our community. Ultimately, the city had other plans for the building and relented to severe public pressure. Yeah, I mean, when the Seattle PD chief, who is a black woman, is out there ripping into Mayor Jenny Durkin and saying, like, you are, you are just terrible at your job. You may think things have gone wrong. The media are trying to cover for this. Seattle police chief also said, by the way, there, there's crimes going on in there. Like it's tripled our 911 time. You call 911 from inside that zone, we cannot get in. Right? It is making it impossible for us to do our job. Here she was yesterday explaining. Our 911 uh, response times have tripled in the area. They've gone from just over five minutes to about 18 minutes. Rapes, robberies, and all sorts of violent accidents have been occurring in the area that we're not able to get to. So it is not a right for us not to be able to deploy our officers here. Okay, that is Seattle Police Chief Carmen Best saying, like, there's crime going on in there and we can't do anything about it. Meanwhile, Mayor Jenny Durkin, like, because Trump attacked this and Trump said, like, this has to stop, the Democrats are reflexively defending the full takeover of six city blocks in the middle of Seattle where lawlessness is running rampant as a block party. Here's idiot Mayor Jenny Durkin. She compared the Republic of Chaz to a block party. She says, it's a block party. It's just like the summer of love out there, except for, you know, the armed bands who are roaming and threatening people with baseball bats, a thing that is actually happening, as we'll see. Here is the mayor comparing Chaz to a block party. 
I think it has been described by the President and others as what it is not. It is not a armed Antifa militia no-go zone. We've had blocks of Seattle and Capitol Hill shut down every summer for everything from block party to pride. Um, this is really not that much of an operational challenge, but we want to make sure that the businesses and residents feel safe, and we'll, we'll continue to move that forward. That's it. So I love that. The police chief is like, yeah, it's an operational challenge. We can't get in. And the mayor's like, it's not an operational challenge. It's fine. It's fine. Meanwhile, Governor Inslee, yesterday he said he knew nothing about the Republic of Chaz. It was, it was a figment of his magic. By the way, again, like, why couldn't you name it something cool? The Republic of Chaz is just such a bad name. Like, you, you could choose anything and you come up with the Republic of Chaz, the People's Republic of Chaz. Anyway, Governor Inslee tweeted out, what well, we will not allow are threats of military violence against Washingtonians coming from the White House. The U.S. military serves to protect Americans, not the fragility of an insecure president. So you're defending a military, a paramilitary takeover of six city blocks with barricades set up and people's IDs being checked. And the big threat is Trump saying that he's going to restore the rights of people who live inside that zone. I mean, they'll defend anything. When I say that the narrative has gotten away from folks on the left, this is what I mean. If you're now asking most Americans to swallow whole the notion that they themselves are implicitly racist, that you have to allow city blocks to be taken over in the name of wokeness. That we're going to tear down the Washington Monument. That we're going to shut off the pee-pee rooms to all, to all the cops. That we're going to throw out of a job anybody who mentions a fact. That we're going to boycott anybody who says a true thing. Most Americans are going to be like, you know what? This is not livable. No. The answer is no. The nerve has gotten away from the Democrats because they emboldened the most radical point of view in their party and decided instead of centralizing around a unity message that most Americans could get behind, they would instead go for the most radical message and just continue to follow that path. It's pretty incredible. Now, the media, they haven't given up on this. The, the, the media are still trying to pretend that the Republic of Chaz is going really well. Now, number one, I have some evidence the Republic of Chaz is not all not really going all that well. A few, a few, it is, it is sheer hilarity to watch the developments in the developing nation of Chaz. It's, it's pretty spectacular. They, they set up a farming co-op. Uh, I think that they may, they may need some Republicans to, to set up this farm for them because I, I think that their garden is, is a fail. It looks like they just bought some topsoil and then they literally just poured it on grass. And then they didn't even dig holes for the plants. It looks like they just stuck the plants directly on top of the sod. And also they planted like five things. So that will, that will be enough to feed one person a vegan salad, salad one month from now. So I have a feeling they may have some severe food shortages in the Republic of Chaz. I like that they've called it the autonomous zone because they put up a sign yesterday of all the things that they need in the Republic of Chaz. And it is a very, very large list. They said supplies needed. I'm looking at this sign. Clothes. More pants, male t-shirts, belts, ice, the good kind, cigarettes and lighters. Ice, the good kind. I get it. Like not immigration and customs enforcement. Cigarettes and lighters. Well, I didn't know that was a thing. Lanterns, flashlights, headlamps, portable solar chargers, Gatorade, backpacks, tents, body, uh, track phone minutes cards because you got to have the disposable phones, guys. Body lotion. Wow. Don't know what's going on in the Republic of Chaz. Shoes, bedding and comforters, zip ties, folding chairs, laundry bags, personal fans, body wash, disinfectant, and sunglasses. It doesn't sound like they're very autonomous. <laughs> doesn't sound super autonomous to me. Got to be honest with you. Also, we've been hearing that it's very peaceful, right? It's a block party, according to the mayor. Um, well, the, uh, the occupiers forced out a journalist. So a person went in there with a camera. And one of the marks of a fully free zone is that you should be able to go in there and film things. But apparently, the people who run the place are, are not so hot on that. So here's some video of a person basically being put upon by the, by the new police force in the Republic of Chaz. Remember, this was done to abolish the police. So meet the new police, much worse than the old police. Here they are going after a, a person filming them. Who don't matter? This mother. Who don't matter? This mother. 
who don't matter. Okay, this guy's walking around with the camera. And there is a, a very large man following him, shouting and chanting, who don't matter, this MFR. So remember that time that people said Black Lives Matter and All Lives Matter are not actually mutually exclusive, right? Black Lives Matter just means that people don't pay attention to Black Lives. That's why we say Black Lives Matter. Well, now you have a person overtly saying that some lives actually don't matter as long as we disagree with them. Right? There's nobody who's saying Black Lives don't matter. But you got this guy and a crowd chanting, whose life doesn't matter? This guy's life doesn't matter because he's filming in the Republic of Chaz. Things are going great in the developing nation of Chaz. Meanwhile, governance in the Republic of Chaz has fallen on hard times. Yesterday, hilarious tape broke of them having a uh, struggle session. They were trying to figure out what's coming next in the internecine squabble between the Bolsheviks and the Mensheviks over in the Republic of Chaz. Uh, Julio Rosas got this tape. Uh, he's a reporter for townhall.com. He was on our radio show yesterday. Uh, here were some of the leadership of the Republic of Chaz trying to figure out what they do, do next. Apparently, there's an argument whether they're supposed to disband, whether they try to take over the neighboring regions of Chaz, or whether they just move the Republic of Chaz to a different area, because apparently they have picked all of the, uh, all of the shelves clean. Here, is the, uh, here are the speakers trying to figure out what exactly they're supposed to be doing now. <laughs> What kind of change do you get from bickering back and forth? We can all check this out. I'm not done talking, boy. I'm not done. Great friends is all the I'm not done. You gonna let me talk? I got the money. Push. This is supposed to be a peaceful protest. Then you know what? Use your words and your pen. Then go ahead and write in. Write a review. Write a complaint. Do what you gotta do. But taking a bunch of folks. Okay, <laughs> well done. Everything going very, very well over here. So here's the problem for Democrats. Because they've gone so far with this thing, because they're now to the point of defending all of this is just a normal sort of block party. And by the way, the media are fully defending it. The best clip of the day was yesterday. A CNN reporter was in the area and started talking about how peaceful this was. And then in the middle of the clip, acknowledges, oh yeah, there are people who are armed walking around over here and threatening people. And there are people who are trying to break up his segment on Anderson Cooper. The, the media are just, they, they are an extension. CNN, MSNBC, they, they, they are just the 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 media wing of the Democratic Party at this point. So they, they are willing to repeat any narrative put forth by the Democratic infrastructure. Here's a CNN reporter. Things go wrong for him in this segment. If, in fact, there is going to be federal officers or federal law enforcement come to this area, it is not going to be a pretty situation. These people have made it clear that unless there's some kind of major reform, and remember, they want to see this police department defunded or even abolished, short of some type of major concession, they're not going to leave voluntarily. And we should point out that Washington is an open carry state. And no doubt, uh, some of these protesters are armed, Anderson. So uh, you have to worry about the potential for bloodshed, the potential for violence, if, in fact, they're going to try to remove these people by force. But it's a peaceful, it's a peaceful block party, everybody. It's a peaceful block party. Whoops. Whoops. CNN lets the cat out of the bag. OK, so here's the problem for the Democrats. This gives Trump a pretty good talking point. Do you like when large swaths of your city are turned over to roving bands of communists? Is this like your favorite thing? Are you into it? Are you into the idea that statues, that the Thomas Jefferson Memorial and the, and the Washington Monument, these things ought to be torn down? Are you warm to that idea? Are you warm to the idea that even if you don't like Confederate statues, what we really need are roaming bands of 19-year-olds tearing down statues and apparently killing each other in the process? It's a person whose skull was basically crushed by a falling statue the other day. And we do have a voting republic here in the United States. Like, that's a thing that we do. Okay, so Democrats are, are having to turn away from this narrative and turn toward COVID-19. They're going to consolidate their gains and they're going to try and make the, the racial argument and then they're going to move on. And that's what's happening. The media have moved back toward COVID-19. So 
the thing is that the entire, here's the thing, for, for the Democrats, the entire campaign has to be run by narrative because it can't be run on its candidate. Joe Biden is not an alive person anymore. I'm sad to report the, the demise of Joe Biden. RIP. I mean, the, like, if you watch him, he is, he is not sentient anymore. Okay, this is, not a, this is not a rip on people as they get older. He is not what he once was. And anybody who pretends that he is what he once was is lying to you. I mean, here's a clip of Joe Biden yesterday, basically getting, he, he says, I'm bored with my own talk here. He's, I'm talking and I just get bored with myself. Yeah, join the club, man. I'm beginning to get bored by my own talk here. But, uh, you know, the rapidly rising uh, um, uh, in with, uh, with, uh, I don't know. Uh, he, that, he, it's, it's over. It's over for Joe Biden. Right. So they're left with just the narrative. And the narrative is that Donald Trump is a racist. And so we reached the, the actual endpoint for many of these Democrats. The point was never to solve police brutality. The point for many Democrats, not the protesters, many of the protesters are sincere. The point for top-level Democrats was to channel the anger into anger at Trump. That, for a lot of Democrats, that's what this was about. That's why they broaden the narrative and then kneel, not because they are trying to solve the problem of police brutality, but because they want to drive the broader narrative that America is a systemically racist place and that systemic racism is represented by Donald Trump. So here was Joe Biden doing this routine about Trump on race. This president, from the very beginning, from the moment he got, came down that escalator in his golden building, what did he start off saying? I'm going to see to it that we get rid of all those Mexican rapists. Do you think you can defeat hate? You can only make it hide. And when you give it oxygen, when a president speaks, no matter how good or bad he is, people listen. And when he speaks and gives credibility to these racists, watch my language. Okay, so again, this is the narrative the Democrats have tried to drive. The problem is that the they've gotten what they want out of their narrative. Right? They'll continue to push it. Right? Kamala Harris is very likely going to be Biden's VP pick, even after she called him a racist for opposing forced busing. Kamala Harris yesterday, she suggested that Donald Trump throwing a rally in, uh, in Tulsa, which is happening June 19th, which is known as Juneteenth, which was the day, historically speaking, when the Emancipation Proclamation was finally read in Texas, which was the final state to receive news of the Emancipation Proclamation. By the way, Juneteenth should, in fact, be a national holiday. Right? I mean, if we're going to talk about like symbolic changes, that'd be great. Juneteenth should be a national holiday. Frederick Douglass should be on our nation's currency. Right? These are things that I've been saying for years. I mean, this is nothing new. But Kamala Harris suggests that because Trump is speaking in Tulsa, Oklahoma, which is a place in the United States, on June 19th, this means to wink and nod at white supremacists because, of course, one of the great race riots in American history was a white on black race riot in 1921 in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I'm sure that's exactly what was going through Trump's head. He probably was going, Trump, known for his, for his granular, granular attention to American history, probably thought to himself, what could I do to signal to white supremacists? I know I'm going to go to Tulsa for a, a, an understudied, like really, most Americans don't know about the Tulsa race riots unless they just watched Watchmen, right, on HBO. That was the first many Americans knew about that, which is a travesty. Most Americans should know about that. But you think Trump was like, that little known historical or, or underknown historical situation, I'm going to go there, I'm going to signal to white supremacists and do it on Juneteenth, another underknown historical circumstance. Or do you think maybe somebody just scheduled him an event and he's going there? So, but this is the narrative, right? The problem is that, at this point, because the narrative has moved away from the Democrats, because, they have, because they've gotten what they want out of it, they've gotten the poll numbers out of it, they've gotten to dump Trump on, on, on numbers because of his response to this whole thing. And now, because things are getting worse, not better. Now, because 
there are no policy platforms on the page that are actually going to result in any political benefits to them. See, here's the thing. If they get a wide bipartisan bill to ban chokeholds, it doesn't benefit Democrats at all. And they're not going to do anything like racial reparations because it's too divisive and most Americans don't like them. So instead, they go to the narrative. The narrative is Trump is bad. They got what they wanted. So now they're just moving on to COVID-19 again, which is going to be a hard press because, again, they're the ones who said to everybody, go out and protest in the streets without masks. So Tom Perez is doing this. We're back to covering COVID-19 as a crisis, which, by the way, is spooking the stock market. And it is the media coverage spooking the stock market because the reality is we are not actually seeing spikes in these states. What we are seeing is a slow and gradual rise in states where this thing never went away. Right? This isn't a second wave. This is a first wave. Because it turns out that when you lock down, all you do is prevent the first wave, which is something I've been talking about for a long time. When you relieve lockdown, then people are going to get infected. But Tom Perez is now back to suggesting that Trump is killing black people with his COVID-19 response. Here's Tom Perez, the DNC chair. Donald Trump, rather than uh, battling bigotry, wants to battle Twitter. Rather than bringing us together, he wants to continue to drive us apart. What has he done to black people in America? He has resulted, he has killed them in some places because of his failed response to coronavirus, the unemployment rate, joblessness, hopelessness that he is trying to stoke. The differences between Joe Biden and Donald Trump couldn't be clearer. So this is back to the COVID-19 narrative. So I hope that everybody enjoyed two weeks of, of, the, of the George Floyd narrative. I hope they enjoyed it because it turned out that the Democrats weren't sincere about actually wanting change. All they wanted to do was benefit from unrest. Ne- again, not the protesters. Democratic politicians. I, but now we're back to COVID-19, guys. And the narrative is over. Everybody back to their regular day jobs of suggesting that Donald Trump is killing people because of ending lockdowns, even while Democratic governors are ending lockdowns. All righty. Well, we have reached the end of today's show, but we'll be back here later today with two additional hours of content. Otherwise, as I've been saying every weekend, try not to burn down the country, please. Like one of these weekends, could we do this? Just one. Otherwise, enjoy your life. Stay away from other people. Wear a mask. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. <laughs> If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe too. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Andrew Clavin Show, The Michael Moles Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. Thanks for listening. The Ben Shapiro Show is produced by Colton Haas, executive producer Jeremy Boring, supervising producer Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling, assistant director Pavel Wydowski, Technical producer, Austin Stevens. Playback and media operated by Nick Sheehan. Associate producer, Katie Swinnerton. Edited by Adam Saievitz. Audio is mixed by Mike Coromina. Hair and makeup is by Nika Geneva. The Ben Shapiro Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2020. You know, the Matt Wall Show, it's not just another show about, about politics. I think there are enough of those already out there. We talk about culture because culture drives politics and it drives everything else. So my main focuses are life, family, faith, Those are fundamental, and that's what this show is about. I hope you'll give it a listen. Did you know that a baby's heart begins to beat at just three weeks? At five weeks, it can be heard on ultrasound. In some cases, the heartbeat can be the baby's only defense in the womb, which is where preborn steps in. Preborn rescues 200 babies every day from abortion simply by providing moms with free ultrasounds that allow her to hear her child's heartbeat and see their perfectly formed body in the womb. By six weeks, the baby's eyes are forming. By 10 weeks, a baby is able to suck his or her thumb. Preborn needs our help to save these precious souls. For just 28 bucks, you could be the difference between the life or death of a baby. 
If you become a monthly sponsor, you'll receive stories and ultrasound pictures of the lives you helped to rescue. All gifts are tax deductible. 100% of your gift donation goes toward saving babies. To donate, dial pound 250, say keyword baby. That's pound 250 baby. Or go to preborn.com slash Ben. That's preborn.com slash Ben. Go check them out right now. Preborn.com slash Ben. It's the best thing you're going to do today or maybe ever. Dial pound 250, say keyword baby. Start saving children today.